I don't know, church, there's just something I was reminded of. Um, it's like just finding the Lord in the stillness. Um, that's where he tells us that he's at. Um, and we can I love moments where it can be big and celebratory, but there is just something sweet about when we can be in the presence of the Lord and kind of the calmness and in the stillness. Come on, any good? Come on, church, any good? There's a few people that believe me. Come on, all right now, come on. The coffee not flowing well this morning. Let's go. Hey, those of you who are um, online, man, we are so thankful that you have joined us in our prayers. Um, just like it was, it was, it was kind of just been, been sweet in this room all morning. Um, first service was the same. Um, and so we've, we hope that you know, through, the, through your devices, through your screens, that, man, the Spirit's kind of even oozing through there as well. And you're experiencing the Lord. Uh, so thank you so much for being with us. Our, uh, our prayer would be that you would... Um, just let us know where you're at, how we can serve you, how we can connect with you, um, no matter where you're at. And those of you here, um, man, I'm so thankful to be with you, that we can worship together uh, this morning. And my, my prayer today um, is, uh, you know, I was um, called on this week to, to preach, and so I was, I was considering, it's like, man, um, it's not, not a specific message, like, hey, just whatever you feel like the Lord is leading you, and uh, man, I was just was wrestling with it. And in fact, all the way up through yesterday, wrestled uh, with the Lord. I'm like, man, what, do you, what is it, what is it? And I just, I finally, I landed, um, and the hope is today, I just, I, my hope for you is the Lord would just encourage you. Uh, there's today would just be a, a sweet, encouraging moment uh, for you. Um, and I, I want to say that it would be specifically to you, right? Individually to you, because that matters, uh, that matters. Um, I think in any relationship that we have, every relationship that you have in your life, whether it's a friend of yours, a, a coworker, a spouse, a son or a daughter, um, anybody, right? You grow in one of two ways in that relationship. There's only, only really one of two ways that that relationship can grow. Either you learn something about that person, like you learn things and know things about that person, or you learn and you know things about yourself. I believe that that's it. I mean, there's experiences together, so those experiences lead to you know that person better, or, then, or you respond in a certain way and you maybe learn your own heart better. Um, and so the closer that you get is because how well you know one another. And so, I think that this is true as well with the relationship that you and I can have with the Lord. I believe this is true with him, that, that we grow in our relationship with the Lord in one of two ways. We either learn something about him, right? And that's actually a lot of fun. <laughs> it is because everything about the Lord is incredible. It's, it's awesome. When you peel another layer back and you see something new or have a brand new revelation of who he is, it's just mind-boggling amazing. Anybody else experienced in this room the goodness of the Lord? Come on, y'all. I mean, maybe today you're going to get to learn something about him, and at the end of this service, that's going to sound different. <laughs> that's the hope that you'd be encouraged. That you'd, but, but that's fun. When we get to learn things about him, that's a whole lot of fun. It's, 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 in, it's encouraging to me when I get to know more, more, more about my God and my Lord. But what's not encouraging is when I have to learn something about myself. 
especially in my relationship with the Lord, because when I compare myself to him, it's never good. <laughs> it's like, oh, me again? Is that what today is going to be, that, that I have to learn something about, about me? Well, my prayer is that today we actually get to focus on the Lord a lot. Um, now, we're going to get to see what that means in light of our own and individual lives. And so um, if, if I were to ask you some of these people in your life that maybe you're close to, you could probably think of somebody in your life that is incredibly trustworthy. You've, you have a person in your life, that if you, you know what, I can count on them. If they tell me they're gonna do something, I don't even have to question it. I know they're gonna do it. They're a person of their word, they're gonna do it, right? And you probably also have people in your life that are just the opposite. People in your life to where like they told you they were going to do something and they maybe just didn't follow through like they thought they said they were going to. Um, there's, there's people, if they told you the sky is blue, you'd be like, you know what? That's probably not true <laughs> because you said it. Um, and nothing true ever comes out of your mouth. We know, we know. We've been hurt by those kinds of people. We've been hurt before. Um, but then there's people that would say to us, the sky's fallen. You're like, well, gosh, I, I mean, I have so much faith and trust in you. I guess that's true. It must be. Like, let's prepare for that. And we know. And if I were to ask you, which one of these people are you? Like, are you a trustworthy one? <laughs> I mean, I would like to think that I am. I would love to think that, yeah, people can count on me. I'm a, I'm a man of my word. I, I, I want to be genuine, trustworthy, faithful, right? I want to be that. And then hopefully you would think that about yourself. But then I find out there's moments, um, it was just a few weeks ago where I was going to make a, a, a coffee meeting, a morning coffee meeting. I'm texting with a, with a, with a gentleman I'm trying to meet with for the first time. And um, we, we set a, um, a morning nine o'clock coffee meeting. Um, somehow I was like, was able to, um, set that meeting at 2.30 in the afternoon. Um, and so I'm showing up early, I think, at 2.25 at the coffee shop and saying, hey, bro, let me go ahead and grab your coffee. I'm just gonna be a nice guy. I'm gonna be kind today. I'm gonna go ahead, man, give me your order. I'm here before you. And I'm texting him this at like 2.25. Um, he texts back to me, I was there at 9.00 this morning and you didn't show up. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And I'm looking and sure enough, we said nine. So like first encounter with me, not trustworthy. That's what I found out that I am for this guy. I was like, man, I, I'm so, I was, I was like, petri like mortified. I was like, I can't believe that I missed. Anybody else, anybody else in the room, like you're capable of doing something like that or is it just me? Okay, I see some hands at least. All right, all right, all right. Now, now we're identifying a little bit together. It's like, man, cannot believe that I was untrustworthy, that I didn't show up. But he, you know what? He, he still showed up and he came. He's like, you know what? Just give me like 10 minutes. I'm going to be there. And we had coffee and I, all I could do was apologize. Um, but, but let me tell you, that does not happen with the Lord. When he tells us he's going to do something, he does it. There's no mess ups. There's no like, oops, my bad. He's not having to apologize for his, oh, I'm sorry. I put that in at the wrong time in your life. He's not doing that. He ordains all of these things in your life. He, he is a sovereign God and he is always on time. And this is what's true about him. And, and the people in your lives that are trustworthy, not kind of like that moment for me, but those, 
wouldn't you in fact agree with me that you want those people to actually make you promises? Like you, you would be encouraging, like, please give me your word because I, I have so much confidence in you. I know that if you give your word, you're gonna do it. And I actually want to have some, some, something that's certain in my life. And so the more certainty that I have in my life, the more people that I'm confident in in my life, and actually I have a little bit of certainty in a world that is just not certain. I have a little bit more surety in a world that is just unsure. Wouldn't you agree? that we would want these people in our lives to actually make promises to us, actually give us their word that they're going to do something. Man, can I, can I let you know that we have a God who makes a lot of promises. He's a God of promises. Our God is a God of promises. And in fact, the people in your life, maybe they've made promises to you and you didn't even know they were promises to you. Like, I think this is true about the God. There's maybe promises that are available to you that you don't even know about. There's things that the Lord can be for us that he'll show up to do, but we don't have any confidence in that because we don't know him in that way or we don't even know those promises are available to you and me as his people or as humanity in general, that he loves us like crazy and that he is for us. And so this is my hope that I can encourage you in the person that is Jesus, that the promises that he makes, that he will come through in your life for you and, and hear this and through you for other people. That's so significant, that's so significant. And so if you have a Bible, I want you to turn to Psalm 23. And I recognize there might be some people in the room that is maybe recognizes how familiar this psalm is. Probably one of the most famous chapters in all of scripture. And so here is my encouragement to you as you prepare to go there in your Bible is to recognize that this chapter is more than something that's like embroidered above a dining room table or on a throw pillow. Um, it's more than what you learned in a Sunday school class growing up. In fact, I wanna use an um, illustration that I, that I learned in seminary. All right, for, this is the discipline of observation. And it's an important thing, just as, just as a student of the Bible. For those of you, anybody in here love the word of God? All right, so those of you who are students of the Bible, this, is a, this, uh, this maybe will be a help to you. There was a professor, it didn't happen to me, but we discussed this in, our, in a class talking about the discipline of observation of scripture. So there's a professor that was teaching a Monday, Wednesday, Friday class. And he walks into his class and he's teaching this uh, discipline of observation and he, and he has this beautiful, colorful, tropical fish just kind of on a stick, on a stand, and it's, and it's about this big, sitting on a table. And he, and he walks in and he explains to the class, here's the assignment for today. I need you to observe this fish. I know, it's gonna be a fantastic day, right? All right, so observe, write down anything that you want that you observe from this fish and turn it in and you're done for the day. Great day, easy day. Just write down a few things, turn it in. So they do, the whole class, they, they observe and they look and they think and they write down their thoughts about what they see and what they recognize about it and they turn their things in. So that was on a Monday on, on the Wednesday class. And they show up, the fish is still there. 
The professor has all of their papers in his hand. He says, hey, thank you guys for your work on Monday. And he throws it in the trash. <laughs> he says, today what I need you to do is I need you to look at this fish and I want you to write down everything that you see. And they're like, oh, maybe we didn't do what we were supposed to do. And they were thinking that they did it wrong. So you can imagine if this is you in this class that you would think, okay, you're not gonna write the same things you wrote before, so you look a little different at it. You think a little differently about it. And the assignment was maybe bigger than you thought, so you write again, and, and so everybody did. They wrote different things. They wrote more things, more details, and so they turned in. Friday class, professor has all the papers in his hands, throws them away. He says, the assignment is not about necessarily what all, the, the, like exactly what it is that you are trying to see is the fact that you can continue to see different things every time you look at it. That you can observe things differently, you can think about it differently, and you can find more. The longer that you are there, the longer you spend time with it, the more you can pull from it. So that's just my encouragement to you. For those of you, whether you're familiar with Psalm 23 or whether you're not, it's still for you. And God's word will always do what he wants it to do. Right, and I'm only sharing that because I'll be honest with you, I'm like, God, you want me to share this psalm? Out of, you know, like people have heard this before. But I, but I believe that he's laid this on my heart because there's some people in the room that needs to hear some encouragement today about who God says he is according to this psalm. So let's look at it together. Psalm 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd. Come on. I shall not want. That sounds pretty awesome, doesn't it? Anybody, anybody would like say you don't want to want anything? I mean, no wants. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Still sounds pretty fantastic. And he leads me beside still waters. Come on. He restores my soul. And he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Man, all of this is amazing, isn't it? Well, let's go. I mean, these are the things that he says, as our shepherd, he will do for his sheep. <laughs> and even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. That's really interesting, isn't it? Two sticks. <laughs> they bring people comfort. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> maybe next time I preach 23rd Psalm, I mean, there's, there's sermon in both of those, by the way. Um, like, when you can recognize that two sticks in the hand of God can bring somebody comfort, like, man. <laughs> I mean, this, is, this is the kind of God that we're, we're talking about. Just with two sticks, he can bring his sheep comfort. But that's who he is. But here's what I want us to do. As by way of observation, all of this sounds great, but I want, us, I want you to look and see the subtle shift that he had from verse three to verse number four. So as David is writing this, let's look at some of these words again. He says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still water. So what's that mean? He's, he's talking about God. Right, so he's, he'd be like, here, I'm saying he to you. So it'd be like me coming in here talking about God. But in verse number four, he changes the way that he's writing. So it's really subtle as you read, but it's very significant. And it's a major change in the way that's applied. 
So verse number four, he's no longer talking about God. Watch. Even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I fear no evil for you are with me. He's not talking about God anymore. He's talking to God. Listen, that sounds so subtle, but church, this is significant for you and to me to not just be in a space like this that we'd be guilty of just coming here and talking about God and, and all of us dismiss the ability to talk to him. That, that that would be individual, that that would be for you, right? This, I can't, I can't like, emphasize it enough how, how, how subtle it feels, but how important it is that you recognize that he knows all of his sheep individually, their needs, right? All your wants. He knows how to guide you. He knows how to restore your soul personally. The things that you are walking through, the valleys that you find yourself in, he is very aware of them personally. We can't just come in here and say, like, hey, he's good at all of these things and he can bring all those things. All right, have a great week. No, 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 no. I need to, us all to recognize that he wants to know these, you to know these things for you. Individually making the shift. I, listen to me. I remember the place where I was at in Morrow, Georgia, at a, at a, a church, rows of pews right here. I'm on the, the left-hand side on the front row and we're singing a song. And I remember when it dawned on me, I can take you to the spot. And the moment in my mind is when we're singing a song and it, was, and it became where it wasn't just a song to me anymore. And I was recognizing, wait a minute, I'm saying these words. I'm not just caught up in the beauty of the music and the talent that's around. I'm actually speaking these words and it became personal between me and God. And actually for the first time in that moment, I experienced what worship is. And that's different when it's personal, when we're singing the songs that we're singing. We're saying, I'm sorry if I've just gone through the motions, right? That is me, not just, not just words on a screen, it's not just another song that's pretty and has harmony and has some talent. It's so much more than that. It's me and God and you and God. Even though we're many in the room, he knows individually you. This is very important. It's really important that you would make the subtle shift. In fact, knowing that our God is personal, knowing that our God is personal, he says in John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. My sheep hear my voice and I know them. In fact, so there's really something interesting about sheep's fun fact. Um, I had one chance to go to Israel in my life before we had kids. My, my bride and I, we were able to make this trip. And um, so they're still shepherd around. They still do this. And so basically they move their sheep from one place to another. They, they grow wool and fur, um, on the journey and when they get to another place, they, they shear them and sell it. Right? So that's kind of their living. And so, but when they go to these towns and these cities, to, there's not a lot of place for people to park their sheep, right? So you're like, so where do I put all my sheep? So they really just have one giant like container for them, right? It's just one place that you can, but there's multiple shepherds, right? So, all the shepherds go and they, and they herd their sheep into one location. And so when it's time to go, uh, <laughs> okay, all right, let me go find all of mine. No, in fact, it's incredible. That shepherd has a certain voice. And when he says, makes his noise that he's gonna make, only the sheep that are his leave the area. 
And when, so when, Jesus, when this is being said, this is an understood thing. This is just a known practice that happened forever and ever, that when a shepherd would call his, his sheep, his sheep recognize his voice because maybe they've spent enough time with him when he speaks. Come on, you ever spend time with somebody? Maybe you've heard people's voice and you haven't even been around them because you spent so much time with them. You ever done that? I was like, I just heard somebody, how did I, my mom's in Georgia, how did I just hear her say my name? <laughs> like, how is that possible? Right, but you do, when you're close to people, you're like, you know their voice, you hear their voice. And so it's the same when we are close with God, when, when we know him and we know that he knows us, we recognize his voice, says, I know my sheep and they, they know my voice and they'll follow me. Um, kickoff to college football is in 55 days. I know that was a hard shift, wasn't it? <laughs> That's true, though, if you want to count it up. Um, it's the first Saturday in September. Uh, so in 55 days, all right, and the reason I mention that um, is I love football. And, and every play, if you've watched football in your life, every play could look like it's going to be the same. Every time they huddle up, and then they go and they line up to get ready for a play, all right, follow me here. It could be the same lineup every time. It could be. It's not usually, but it could be the same lineup every time. So it was like, are you going to do the same thing every time? So, in fact, the only thing that makes it different each play, the only thing that makes it different is each individual person's assignment. And when they call a different play, when the coach calls something different, that person knows this is what I'm supposed to do this time. Okay, in this moment, this is what I'm being called to do. This is my assignment, even though it looks the same. And I wanna, I wanna kinda compare that to this moment right here. When we come together, as creative as our team can be and as talented as our team is, it's all kind of generally similar, isn't it? Your chances are you're sitting in the same seat you normally sit in. And if you're not, you're probably sitting in another one like this right here. <laughs> Can't believe they took my seat. <laughs> right? But, but generally it's the same in the room, is it? We, we, we know what's going to happen. There's kind of like not a lot that usually would take us off guard in this moment of things that would happen when we come together. We're going to worship the Lord. We're going to sing to him. Right? We're going to open his word and see what he has for us to learn from him. We're going to hear his voice. And then we're going to leave and we're going to go eat lunch. It's going to be great. Right? Generally, it's the same. You know, the only thing that we can't like, tell you what's going to happen is the assignments that the Lord has given every individual person. That's where it's different. That's why we come into this room and say, what's the play today, God? What would you have me to do today, God? Because we can come and, and huddle up. It would be really weird if we all huddled up and then went and ran to the sidelines. What kind of a, if you're watching a football game like that, you'd be like, what is going on? This is terrible. Nobody's doing their assignments. Nobody's running the play. That would be awful, wouldn't it? Who would want to watch it? Nobody. <laughs> Listen, the assignments are for you and for me to pay attention to, but it only matters if you can not just talk about him and you're talking to him in this moment so the assignments of his voice can be heard in your life. The 
assignments of his voice in your life matter right now. And that's what he wants to do. He wants to guide you as his sheep, as your shepherd. Because he knows you. Let's look at verse 4 through 6. Verse 4 through 6 says, as I read this, it is really clear that you and I didn't write this. Because I believe we would write it a little differently. So let's read it. Four, four through six. Let me back up to four again. It says, even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. <laughs> the reason I would say that you and I probably didn't write this, because like, hey, God. <laughs> me again. Um, if you're a guide and you're going to be guiding me, can we just avoid the valley? It'd be great. I mean, like, you're the shepherd. You probably know another way around. We could probably just stay on the hilltops. Let's stay on the mountaintops, man. Come on. That, that would be great, wouldn't it? I mean, wouldn't, if I'm riding it and I'm choosing the path, I think I would ask my shepherd to maybe avoid the valley. Anybody with me? I mean, I don't know about loving the valley. It's not something that I would be like, hey, you know what, God? Let's just walk through the valley of the shadow of death. That <laughs> sounds terrible. I don't think I want to go through that. And if you're going to have a meal with me, God, can we, do we have to do it in the presence of the enemy? I mean, that guy? Maybe just me and you should hang out. <laughs> it's like, let's forget the enemy, put him somewhere else, and like you and I can go eat some and have a good time. Right, we can sit down over a meal, and me and you just, you know, Throw down some steak. I mean, I bet it's going to be good. It's with the Lord. <laughs> but you and I would not choose to have a meal in the presence of the enemy. We wouldn't do that. But here's what's true. We live in a very broken world. That's easy, to, that's easy right? The world around us is messed up. And my hope is that many of you are on the mountaintop right now. But also, I recognize that there's a lot of valleys in the room, and they all look a little different. The struggles that you face, the troubles that are going on in your life, the difficulties that have hit you over the past week, the things that you are facing, they're valleys, right? So these are obviously these, you know, these are kind of um, ways for us to recognize like the, the hilltops or like the good moments, the celebratory moments and the valleys are the hard things that we face in this life. And what he's, what he's saying to you and to me is like, hey, don't, don't worry. I know these things are coming, but here's my promise to you. I'm with you. Here's my promise to you that even when the enemy is on your back, even when the enemy is at you, you and I can take a posture. And think about it. When you're sitting at a table it's just a posture of just rest, isn't it? I'm going to have this meal right here. It's like even when the enemy is on you and he's, he's here, we don't necessarily want to pull up a seat and give him a seat at the table, but he's present, right? So it's just you and the Lord communing and resting together even though the enemy is all around trying to beat you down. He is saying, I got you. That's his promise. That's his promise to you. And I don't know if you need to be reminded of that promise for you today, but it's yours, and he is trustworthy. He's a man of his word. When the enemy is near, when the valleys are in your life, he is with you, and he will walk you through it. <laughs> I hope 
that you hear these promises of our incredible God and know that you can be confident that he will do exactly what he says he'll do in your life. That's who he is. Because he knows that we're gonna walk through these hard things in our lives. He knows, in fact, I came across as I was studying for this, this story in, in 1 Kings. I'd read it before, but it never hit me like it hit me when I was studying for this. This is awesome, y'all. It's so good. So 1 Kings, chapter number 20. Um, I'll give you just kind of backstory because, you know, I can't, I don't know if you were like just today reading in 1 Kings or not, but um, I'll give you a little backstory to kind of let you catch up to where we're at. There's this, there's this guy, um, his name is Ben-Hadad. He's the king of Syria, all right? Ben-Hadad, king of Syria. And then uh, the, the king of Israel, his name is Ahab. And their countries are bordering one another, all right? So Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, just says, you know what? I'm tired of Ahab. I got to dethrone this guy. He's, he's, I, we, we have to go and dethrone him. We got we to we take care of him. And so he didn't believe that maybe he could even do it by himself. So he gathered up 32 other rulers. <laughs> so it was 33 against one. Right? The odds are not forever in his favor. I'm sure you that. It was, like, <laughs> it was like the odds are against him. And it's, Let's read, actually, so I want you to read verse number one. So this is, this is that happening. So Benadad, king of Syria, gathered his army together. 32 kings were with him. So, so 33 of them, their horses and their chariots. And they went up and they closed in on Samaria and they fought against it. You know what happened? Let me just tell you what happened. We have a God that has a rod. And Israel won. Right? Israel defeated the 33. The odds were against them, but our God with a stick... The rod was able to help this army, this king, overthrow 33 that were coming against them. All right, so interesting enough, they weren't done though. All right, so that's great, right? It's incredible. The Lord gave victory for Israel, right? And, and it, an impossible victory they were able to win because of the Lord doing what he does. So this king then, Benadad, he pulls back and he says, all right, Licking his wounds, he's just lost. Why did we lose? It's a smart thing to do. If you fail, you try to figure out why you failed. So that's what they're doing. All right, so they're deciding, I don't know what it would look like, they probably threw out all their maps and got out their monocles and they're staring at it like, why did we lose? What was our, was our strategy bad? And finally, one of them said, verse number 23, it says, and the servants of the king of Syria, so Abinadad, so one of the servants, they're coming around because they're trying to figure out why did they lose this fight. And he says, ah, oh, I think I know why. And here's what he says. Their God is the God of the hills. And so they're stronger than we are there because their God is the God of hills. <laughs> but let us then fight in the plain. Surely we'll be stronger than them there. So their God is the God of the hills. Oh yeah, of course they're gonna beat us because we were fighting them in the hills. We were fighting them in the mountaintops. So cause he's the God of the mountaintops, like why did we think that we could win there? And so, come on, God responds to that. <laughs> Verse number 28, I want you to look. Oh, this is good, this is so good. You, know, you love God's word? It's so good. God responds to this and he says, then a man of God came near to the king of Israel. So he's saying to Ahab, king of Israel, thus says the Lord, all right, now God's speaking. <laughs> Pay attention. Because the Syrians have said that the Lord is the God of the hills, but he's not the God of the valleys. Therefore, I will give you a great multitude in your hand, and you shall know that I am the Lord. He is saying, 
I am not just the God of the hills. He is saying, I'm also the God of all of the valleys. I will help you when you're winning and I will help you when you're losing. No matter where your life is at, he's saying, I am there. This is incredible. But no, he's saying, he recognized, because these are two different camps. This is so important too. These are two different camps. The Lord is saying, I need you to know that I'm the God of the valley, but I'm going to use you to teach them what they don't know about me. Do you see it? Because they didn't know. They're over here in this camp saying, he's only the God of the hills, so let's fight him in the valleys. That then we'll win. God over here is saying, come on, bring it. I'm also the God of valley, and I'm about to teach you that lesson. And these people were about to learn it. This king was about to learn it. And that promise wasn't just for Ahab. That promise is for you too. No matter where you're at, God is the God of your mountains. And he wants to teach you that he's the God of your valleys. But he doesn't just want to do it for you. Listen, it's also a subtle thing in Psalm 23, verse number three, the very end of it. Why does all of this happen? For his name's sake. It's easy to miss it because it's so small in there. Because we get focused on, yeah, I like, I like the still waters. I like, I like the green pastures. Oh, all of this is for his namesake, by the way. <laughs> this is for him. He wants people to know who he is. He wants you to know who he is. He wants other people around you to know who he is. In fact, I believe that God can prove more through us in our valleys than he can ever can do when we're on our mountains. I think he can do that. I think that's how he uses them. I think that's the purpose of what he's trying to say. Hey, I'm promising you they're gonna happen. In fact, you and I could be like James says in James chapter one says, hey, when we experience various trials, let's do it with joy. When something's coming our way that's difficult, we're like, all right, God, you, you're about to prove something today in my life about who you are and maybe even just be able to show the people around me how awesome you are. Because you're not just a God of mountains, you're also the God of my valleys. And it's all for his namesake. In fact, there's Hebrews 10, 35 and 36 says it this way. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence. All right, anybody confident in the Lord? Don't throw that away, which is a great reward. For you have, um, you have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. Hey, in endurance with the Lord, knowing that he's with you, recognizing, hey, look up. Maybe today you are in a valley and you don't actually recognize how close God is. And you just need to be reminded of this promise or know this promise for the first time that he's actually with you. So band, if you guys want to come, we're going to land this plane because I think we need to also be reminded that that is not just a general, hey, great, God is good. He'll show up for other people. We need to make sure that we make the shift from that we are here just talking about God and that you can actually commune with him. No matter what you're facing, I hope that you'll be encouraged today to know also in his word, 2 Corinthians 1.20, for all the promises of God find their yes in him. <laughs> that is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God for his 
glory. Come on, church. (laughs) This is a moment for you to personally be able to respond, and I hope that you will. I hope that you'll recognize that there's something different about just coming here and talking about him, and that as we clap, leave this huddle, that you are going to your assignments and not to the sidelines. And you'll go and do exactly what God is doing in your life, so that you would know it, that you'd know how present he is. So let's stand up together, and as we sing, church, respond. Respond individually. Talk to the Lord. Ask him what he has for you today.